0: Mm Hmm? Ah! Hmm. Okay, this is us, and this is the nearest exit. But even if we somehow make it there, there's no way out. What do you mean? The locks are
1: fail-secure.
0: Fail-secure? If
1: there's a power outage, the building goes on full lockdown. Can it be unlocked remotely? With a computer, sure, but somebody's got to reset the breakers. Where are the breakers? Breakers are in the basement, three floors down. Hey, where are you going? To reset the breakers. Okay, then what? Then we get the hell out of here. No, then the power comes back on. If you want to unlock the doors, you have to completely reboot the computer system and then override the security codes with a manual input. Fine. How do I do that? You can't, unless you know basic. I don't know what that means.
2: It's a computer programming language.
1: All right, teach it to me. Shall I teach you French while I'm at a gym?
0: How about a little German?
1: How about you, Doc? You speak basic? No.
0: Okay. I got this
2: hey everybody i'm rima
1: and i'm sean
2: and this is strange indeed a podcast dedicated to the show stranger things
1: today we'll be covering the eighth episode from season two titled chapter eight the mind flare
2: oh and what a good one to jump into yes it was wasn't this great so action-packed
1: yeah a lot some i mean this you know the second to last episode is usually really really good in the series and this one they knocked out of the park so i'm excited to talk about there's a lot of stuff that happened
2: there was a lot that happened so what do you say we jump into our top five um i'll just jump in with mine to start it's kind of short it's big but i think kind of short um because of um just, I feel like everything's gonna kind of run in together a little bit, but I'm just gonna start off right in the beginning. And finally, got to see that what I've been dying to know for you know uh, the last few episodes—what the hell was crawling out of that hole? And that was the Demogorgon takeover.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we got some the pack of Demogorgons.
2: Oh, how wild! And you called it. I'm gonna give you the credit. I was like, nope, I don't know. Whatever was crawling out of that hole seemed slightly demogorgish but still seemed a little bit different Looked bigger i don't know how they framed it in that shot that seemed different to me but you called it it was one of the demogorgons um that come up out of that hole
1: i don't know what's creepier so like these things start out as like pet looking things like slugs yeah and they slowly grow like these humanoid features like that is just super like that's not right like things don't start out as not looking human and become human
2: no, that thing morphed like, like you said, from like the slug, and then all of a sudden it, it uh, shed some of its skin, and out, you know, as Dustin sitting there watching it, when he had darts, some like poof legs popped out. <laughs> I was like, yeah. whoa, what? <laughs> and then, and then in the episode later, he called them Demodogs.
1: <laughs> yeah, Demogorgon, Demon Dogs,
2: <sighs> Compound. <laughs> <laughs> You got to love
1: Dustin. He just kind of lightens the mood even in a dire situation.
2: I know. Uh, thank God for Dustin to, you know, get us through these stressful moments. You know, I, I mean, I'm like on the edge of my seat. I have goosebumps. And here comes uh, Dustin with some comic relief to help me go, ah, okay. What's <laughs> <laughs> have a lighthearted moment in the middle of all this panic. Um, but, yeah, they they had all these Demogorgons you know creeping and crawling out through the hole hopper's like oh shit you got dr owens it's like we're good there's no way they're getting through that glass you know i don't remember what he called it but uh boy was he wrong
1: yeah so you see the one he like bounces off of it and bounces back and like you said dr owens is kind of like oh it's it's whatever glass so we're fine you kind of see the the dog look down and do a little bark down the hole and here (laughs) comes like five or six more (laughs)
2: Come on, boys. And, yeah,
1: with all that power, starts cracking and You know, Hopper's like, yeah, I don't know about this, Doc. And uh, what oh. I love, too, in this whole situation is you get basically the exact same scenario from the first episode of this TV series. You, know, you get the alarm going off, everybody running for elevators, and, you know, instant panic of, like, okay, this is a code red, guys. This is not a drill.
2: Right. Good callback to the first episode where they're hitting the panic buttons mm-hmm. and...
1: Well, you gotta feel for that guy too in the first episode. Like he was by himself. So it's kinda like mm-hmm. it's like when you're at work and like, you know, shit's hitting the fan and everybody's like, All right, well we're this is your thing. We're going to lunch. Yeah. And you're like, oh fuck, great. But at least in this situation, it's like, Hey, we're all fucked. Let's not go to lunch together and beat lunch. Exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah and they all got taken out i mean it looked like we don't know for sure but we're we're i think pretty much under under the assumption that everyone other than dr owens and of course you know uh, hopper and 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 joyce and mike and will and um uh, all of them were safe um or mix up for bob as we find out Mm, uh later which we will get to of course um because he deserves his own moment um but I mean, those things, and I don't know how many there were. I don't know that we ever saw an actual tally. Like you said, it was a pack, but man, they just took it over, and I don't know what they did. They were smart. They took out the power, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they knew what
1: they were doing.
2: They shut that shit down, and that was scary. That to me was scary. Like when uh, Nancy and Jonathan and Steve and all the kids, they all find and meet each other, and they're looking, they hear that noise. I'm not going to that noise. You look up over that facility and those lights are it looks like something out of freaking Resident Evil over there. I,
1: I had this as like a video game horror movie moment. Yes. Like that's what the feel I had for it is like, okay, here's the the big bad, you know, you're gonna face the boss or you're facing the things before the big boss.
2: No. No, those yeah, those are like those little um, mutant uh, uh, zombie things in Resident Evil. Before you fight the big one that comes out with all those freaky tentacle things that that tries to eat your face and stuff. You know, no, no, no. So I'm staying of away. Resident
1: Evil. You hear Stranger <laughs> Things. <laughs>
2: right. It was creepy. It was creepy. I'm like, I'm not going near that thing. I'm not going near in a video game. I want to go home and I want to just be fucking Ted. Completely oblivious (laughs) to the whole thing.
1: (laughs) Ted's in bed right now sleeping.
2: I don't have a clue
1: where his kids are. He's like, I got a fucking report I got to give tomorrow at work. Boss has been down my neck and wife's just been on the phone all day. Ted's got a rough life.
2: I know. He's completely oblivious to the whole thing going on. He's at home in bed asleep. He has no clue. That's what I want to be.
1: <laughs> I feel like the end of like the know. next episode should be him walking out and stepping in like dog poop <laughs> and like, you know, cursing his neighbor. <laughs> "Damn it, Greg, your fucking dog shit in my yard again."
2: <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's really good. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, that was that was some freaky stuff. That's what I thought about. It was like, oh my God, Resident Evil. And of course, we got to go. We got to go and save the people or we got to go get whatever information that we need because obviously something is happening there. But I was scared. I was like, no, I don't want to go there. Why are you people going there? Uh, turn around, run the other way. Why are you always going to the noise? You can hear the noises. Well, oh. and They don't
1: even know like their family's there too. So they're going to the noise for no other reason than to be heroes, essentially.
2: I know. I don't know if they're smart or if they're dumb.
1: Yeah, there's a thin line between between being brave and dumb, I think.
2: I know, and I don't and, know, but uh, that's... Second
1: reference to Bob, like, I kind of wonder, like, is he brave or dumb or naive or a little bit of all three?
2: Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, gosh, Bob. We're definitely going to get into Bob. That's definitely another one of my points. And I know we'll give him the respect that he um, deserves in this episode. But um, that's my number five. Just this Demogorgon takeover. We they that's what come crawling up out of the hole. I got my answer. I was nagging about it. People were probably like, would you just shut up already about what's coming out of the hole? But I cared and I needed to know. And I found out and uh, I'm now, wishing they just go crawl back in, in the hole. <laughs> so that, that's my number five.
1: What are you not good enough for your whole demo dogs?
2: <laughs> go to your home. A <laughs> <laughs> little Happy well, Gilmore reference.
1: <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, so my number five, it, it was a very quick hit. Um, oh, this this TV show gives me guys to hate. And then, you know, within a season, gives me a reason to think that they're not too bad at guys. Mm hmm. Who could we, so we be get, talking about? <laughs> uh, we get Hairband Billy, right? So Hairband yes. Billy shows up. You know, he's smoking his cigarette. He's uh, fixing his hair. He's putting on his cologne. He's putting his cologne on his balls. <laughs>
0: <sighs> yes. Which,
1: I guess, was that a thing in the 80s, that guy's cologne downstairs? I figured well, that'd be a little warm. Because you know, usually that cologne back in the day, like high karate. Like, it had a little bit of a burn it to it. did have
2: some alcohol in it? Those yeah. co- uh, really super strong colognes from the 80s were very potent and, yes, full of alcohol. And that's I definitely
1: hope- a tender area that you don't want too much of a burning sensation.
2: Well, I'm glad that you brought it up. That's actually my number four. So I'll just throw in a few. There is, it's a really short point because we didn't get really much. I mean, I feel like. In, in the short amount of time, we got a lot, like we got some context, but it was just one scene um, that that we got there with Billy. But I was going to ask you the same thing. I thought, okay, so he's doing, I think the normal things. He's, he's got his good jeans on, his good tight jeans. He's got the nice dress shirt on. He is prepping for that date. And then he, yeah, he does that, the cologne thing. And I'm like, it, so I'm asking you as the man, you don't have to answer this, but did you do that in high school? Did you do it in middle school? No, never. Is that a thing? I
1: mean, no, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, for one, if you have to do that because there's an issue of odor, you need to do some, like, manscaping and yeah. some better shower etiquette. Um, and even then, like, so, like, obviously you're doing that because you're expecting something. You're expecting so.
2: something to happen to in the, the general area. But let me tell yeah. you what. Girls don't like that. I think guys did that. And if they, you got too too strong with the cologne – it it's a turn off.
1: Oh yeah, because I mean, if it's it burns like, your eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, if it's regular action, it's like that's probably going to be a little tender when things start getting heated, and you know, I'm sure it doesn't taste very good either. You know, like we we talked about this in episodes past when I put perfume in my mouth thinking it was fruit. <laughs> it didn't taste good. You know, don't squirt that stuff down there.
2: Well, and if it's really strong and 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 there's some interaction happening, that that can affect the girl too. I'm just, you know, by um uh you know, cross contamination. <laughs> <laughs> how to put it delicately. Let me just say this. I dated a guy once in um oh gosh. I'm not gonna say how old I was. I'm not gonna say how old he was, but I don't know if this was a thing, and if anyone remembers wearing the guy's class ring on your finger?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a thing when I was in high school.
2: Okay, so, yeah, that was a thing. Back in my day, you would wrap, because the boy's fingers were bigger than yours, and you'd wrap it with yarn or something, something to make it fit your finger, and you would wear it, and you'd be like, oh, yes, I have This was the mark. You have a boyfriend, Um, and everybody would know. And I dated this one guy, and this dude put on so much Stetson. It was <laughs> it was ingrained in his class ring, and oh, I couldn't geez. for the I could not for the life of me figure out, you know. And you, I washed my hands, people, but I took that ring off to wash my hands because I had yarn wrapped around it, and I didn't want the yarn to get wet. So please don't think that I didn't wash my hands or whatever and wash the stuff off. I took the ring off and then would wash my hands, put the ring back on. So this ring stunk to high heaven of Stetson, but I didn't really click at the moment i was young okay give me a break and um i would like sometimes like if you know i go kind of rub my nose like if my nose was kind of itchy or something with that finger that the class ring was on and it would like touch my eye and my eyes got so red and watery and i was like what is going on and it was that damn ring because it was so saturated i'm just saying if you are that's just not i don't know it's just not a good idea um but you know what i don't know that's I'm, why I had that's,
1: to ask. That's got to be a lot of cologne to soak into a metal ring. Like, that seems weird. Re- that's, that's a dude that's <laughs> got some odor issues. Because I was never a big cologne guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I like deodorant and things like that. But just colognes always felt real douchey to me. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know if that's just because the age I came up in or what. Because there's a few guys in high school that wore it. But it was always, like, the cheap, like, you know, Kmart cologne, too.
0: Yeah.
1: So it didn't even really smell good. But, you know, a lot of the girls, too, were kind of like, uh like, it only smelt good on the guys that they liked anyway, so I'm like, Well, what's it matter? So like yeah, why put it on?
2: Well, full disclosure, this guy that I dated, he was douchey. So that totally goes with the um, you know, the the constant splashing of the Stetson that was so ingrained in his ring that um yeah, he was he was douchey. I'm not proud of, of the I didn't make good choices. I like those bad boys. <laughs> it's what it happens. <laughs> you know, a small town. Your choices are limited. (laughs) So what you're saying
1: is Billy's date that night would have probably been a young Rima.
2: I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. (laughs) Apparently not that night. He had his date called off.
1: Oh, yeah. So, and that's kind of what I'm getting to in this. is So, we get a lot of, you know, insight into Billy's life here. His dad. His dad's Mm -hmm. got some issues. Yes. Um, You know... Oh, I man, he comes in, he calls him, like, basically, It's like, hey, you've been looking at that mirror too long, like, and he uses, you know, a very homophobic slur, mm-hmm. which back then that was probably more common than now.
2: Yeah, Um. unfortunately.
1: Goes, like, and this is in front of his, like, newer wife, too. Yeah. Which she seems super uncomfortable with it, but then he goes on about, like, oh, you know, call whatever whore you're going out with and call it off. It's like, oh, geez. And, uh... <clears throat> Very, very physically violent with him, throwing him up against the wall.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh,
1: you know, Billy's at that age where he probably could fight back, but it's, it's just like a beaten dog. It's like, oh, I know I can't strike my master kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> but we see Billy, like, get, you know, at any kind of, you know, power or, you know, strength that he's ever shown was gone right in that moment. I mean, he was a eight-year-old kid who, you know, feels like he can't do anything. It was super, super sad.
2: It was that was hard to watch.
1: It was a very like the actors in that scene like that was a very like that's a that's a scene that's played out in real life probably unfortunately probably thousands and thousands of times.
2: I know. I know. It it broke my heart. I I like you, you know, feel like okay, now we're we're kind of seeing where Billy's anger and his rage is coming from. I I don't feel that that's an excuse. I don't think that having asshole parents or, an, or one parent who is abusive gives you license for him to treat Max the way that he does. But I feel like at least we have some insight, like it's not coming out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, he's just taking and internalizing that and then projecting that onto Max. And it's not right. Cause I feel like he, I don't, know that he's been physically abusive with max but he's very verbally abusive to her and and not kind to her at all and we kind of see why Uh, but it broke my heart because like you said it was like looking like a or he looked like a scared little boy in that scene he even cried
1: yeah there was like very lost boys-esque tears coming down
2: yeah oh good reference
1: oh and he felt very like I mean, I don't know if it was just because it was in front of his stepmom that like even like uh, ego wise, it really like broke him down. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this moment's like, well, you shouldn't be. I mean, obviously, he should have been watching his sister like that was his responsibility. Yeah. And his parents left him there three hours later than he was supposed to. And she is like 13. So like you shouldn't expect. Well, I say you shouldn't expect her to leave the house. But I mean, teenager, that's probably more realistic that they're going to try and, you know, run out of the house to do things they shouldn't.
2: Yeah. And she doesn't need, like you said, she doesn't need a full time babysitter. She's 13. She, you know, isn't going to, you know, slip in the bath. Well, I mean, she could slip in the bathtub, but you know what I mean? It's not like a toddler that you're leaving unattended in the other room or something. 13, you're capable of getting yourself something to eat or drink. And he probably just assumed she was shot off in her room like he was. You know, they, they clearly don't like each other. So why would he be in there, like, hanging out with her or checking on her every every now and again? Because clearly they don't like each other. She's probably in her room doing her thing, like he's in his room doing his thing.
1: Well, I think that's probably all just a big projection from him too, Max. It's like, oh, well, if you weren't here, this, this wouldn't be this way. But
0: mm-hmm. my guess
1: is his dad's probably always been this way. Yeah. Not to make it an excuse, but you wonder, like, why is his dad this way? Is he just a dick in general? Like, was his dad a dick to him or— you know, again, we've talked about this earlier. This is kind of right around a lot of guys coming back from Vietnam and stuff like that. So is it something, you know, like post-traumatic stress syndrome type kind of thing where it's, right? you know, it's it's an outside thing that's made his dad just not able to cope. Again, right. it's it's one of those things. Well, and what sucks, too, is back then, like, you know, it wasn't something you could ask for help. So if his dad is in that situation, like his his dad's kind of lost at sea, too. It's like, well, he can't tell anybody where he, you know, he wakes right. up at night screaming. I, I don't know if he is. I'm just guessing. You know, it could be a complete 180 where he's just a, a dick. Like, he's just a terrible, terrible human being stuck in the, you know, 20s and 30s where, you know, the men had to be the men of the house and show dominance.
2: Yeah. that Well, that was very much... I mean, we're talking 1984, you know some of the stereotypical things that, that existed were still in effect at that time. I mean, you saw how quickly she kind of cowered down. She certainly wasn't, I mean, Billy's not her biological son, but she wasn't stepping up for him. You know, she did kind of say, you know, hey, that's, you know, hey, Neil, it's okay. You know, he doesn't have to apologize or whatever, but, you know, she didn't step up or try to get in between them or, you know, really do anything about it. And that's kind of, You know, unfortunately, it happens probably all too often, but it certainly wasn't a time where you stepped up like she had her place.
1: Yeah. And that's I mean, I'm glad, you know, I I don't know if it was around that time or not, but it feels like,
2: well, Hopper came from Vietnam. They've talked about him and he could be around the same age. So
1: it seems like a lot of because like, I mean, look at the generations. It was very much like you'd see that was a more common. I don't know if it was more common, but at least in pop culture, they portray it a lot like that. Mm hmm. But at least from my experience, it seems like a lot of people around the 80s kind of started being like, listen, like we can keep this trend going where, you know, I think it was a lot of, you know, maybe mothers started like talking to their sons more at that time, even though it was more in secret, maybe Mm -hmm. it was more of like, Hey, whatever you do, don't, don't grow up to be like this. Like, don't, don't make your household in this situation. And, you know, it just kind of starts going forward where and I, I know there's still terrible things that happen today with, with guys that don't understand what they need to do, but I feel like hopefully, you know, more and more people start talking these things out and, you know, can kind of get away from that manly man running the house kind of thing. And
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know, it's kind of a I don't know, probably portraying a lot more in this one scene that needs to be. But it just seems like hopefully, you know, we don't we see Billy kind of come to grips of like, listen, I don't have to be like this. Like I, I can I can make it better for everybody around me. Yeah. And again, I can have another guy that I hated and then be like, oh, okay, well, he's a cool dude.
2: Yeah. I don't know, because we didn't get to see anything after that. You know, he said that he was going to have to go find Max and, you know, cancel your date. This is what you're doing. We didn't see anything after that. So we've only got one more episode.
1: Well, you know, like you could put all the scenes of Billy and Max that like were there together in this and it would be like a single episode of a a family drama. Yeah. Because this was like less than two minutes. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you still don't know anything besides, like, okay, well, this is where his anger comes from. But, yeah, I mean, kind of tidy up. That's kind of my number five is that hairband Billy kind of getting a little bit more insight into into his home life.
2: Yeah, I hope, I haven't seen, you know, really read anything. Um, I mean, I know, obviously, because we talked about it here, you know, Stranger Things has been renewed for season three. But as far as, like, where they're wanting to take it or, which, of course, they're not going to say what they're going to do, but I've tried to avoid like everything about season three other than that they've announced it. Um, so I have absolutely no idea. I don't even know who's in the next season um, just because I thought, well, anything that, anything like that could be spoilerish. So I just try to avoid it. So I'm hoping that we'll get, cause with only one episode, I feel like we have so m- many other things to tie up or at least that we need more story on, especially with what happened in this episode that, that we're going to need to see in, in the finale that I'm hoping we're going to see more of Billy and Max. I don't know that Billy's going to be that Steve character where, you know, um, Steve, the D from season one becomes, you know, Steve, um, you know, the, the, next generation babysitter you know (laughs) of all of these kids and turns out to be pretty awesome with kids and turns out not to be such a a horrible kind of dude that we didn't like so much in season one I don't know that that's going to happen for Billy but I'm hoping that we get a little bit more and at least kind of see where that story goes because I don't know that we've gotten a lot of I don't know if we needed a lot of it but I feel if you're going to take the time to introduce characters you know maybe it was just more to introduce Max and and give us background into her story and what what she's about and what she's had to go through and, and, you know, joining, uh, you know, Mike and Dustin and and that whole group and giving her some story into background to give her some color. If that's the only purpose that Billy is serving, I don't know. But I just, I hate to take this time to introduce characters and not get a little bit more uh, out of them. And I think he did uh, a really great job in that scene, And um, hopefully we'll get to see more of that. I I don't think it justifies his actions at all just because you're bullied and, you know, picked on or beat up or anything or you have shitty parents doesn't give you the right to pass that on to anyone else, much less a sibling or step-sibling. But it did make me feel really bad for him. It was certainly a moment that I felt really bad for him.
1: Like stuff like that, you can always make it an excuse for why your behavior the way it is or you can make it a reason for why it's not
2: exactly he doesn't have to he's ma- you know he's making a choice in in doing the same thing to max as far as giving her a hard time because he's being given such a hard time or he doesn't like his living circumstances he's been jerked out of you know, his, his state, they're not living in California. He's in a new school. He's in a crap small town. Damn it. If I, if, if I lived in California and someone jerked my ass in my small town where I grew up, I would have been pissed off too. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't give you license, but I totally get it. You know, when I, I did move once whenever I was a kid and I'll try not to make this a very long story. this is personal. Sorry, people. Um, you know, I moved from my one small town to another small town, slightly, slightly bigger, but still really small town in middle school. And, man, I was a jerk about it. I I will admit I was not a very nice person to be around. I was not very nice to, to my parents about it. I was very uh, resentful because I grew up in this small town and, you know, when – when Mike is telling that story to Will, when they're in the shed, and he's like, you know, do you remember when we met in kindergarten, and you were, I was all by myself, and you were sitting on the swings, and I walked up to you and asked if you wanted to be my friend. They've been friends since kindergarten, and they're in middle school. That was what it was like for me, you know, in a small town. I knew everybody that I went to school with. These kids um, that I went to school with, we were all really great friends from the time we were in kindergarten until I moved, and, um, that threw my world for a loop, and I acted like a jerk about it. I mean, I didn't go beating anybody up or anything like that, but i was I had attitude <laughs> you know let me tell you, and I was not happy about it, so I kind of get a little bit of where he's coming from um you know, I can feel like I can kind of relate to that just a little bit, being you know those circumstances, and you know you're a kid, these things are out of your control, and you have no say, you know when you're a kid in school and you're having to move or these circumstances and this is totally just disregarding how abusive his father is but you know i can get how it turns you into a jerk you know being because you have no control over anything and so you're acting out because you have no control over your circumstances
1: and even parents they don't really get it's like well i mean we're going to a different town but i mean you guys can still be friends you'll still see each other and talk and it's like mm, no what about those friends you had in high school dad well, I didn't have any friends i was like Ted. <laughs> <dead."
2: laughs> <laughs> like Ted, well, and this was all pre internet I mean yeah. you had you had telephones, but seriously, were we all really picking up the phone and calling each other all the time? No, there was no Facebook, there was no internet, there was no Twitter texting, cell phones, anything like that, so even just moving and this was seriously like maybe forty minutes away. Which is not really in today, is not that far away. But when you are a kid and you can't drive, you have no way to go like physically drive and go visit your friends on the weekends or anything. Uh, you're not really picking up the phone that much, even though you say you're going to pick up and call each other, you don't. And this was all pre internet. You don't have any way to stay in touch with any of your friends. So you pretty much just lost all of your friends. Everybody that I had ever known since kindergarten. You know, you lose, and so I totally kind of get that feeling of of attitude and being a jerk and acting out because you don't have, you know, it's a choice for sure. I'm not saying I was right, but I can kind of relate because I was a jerk. I admit it. I should probably go apologize to my mom right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Call her up after the show, Mom. I'm so sorry. She's like, it's midnight. I'm sleeping. I know.
2: I just want to apologize for being a jerk in middle school. <laughs> 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 <made me move. laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, that's just my number five is kind of hairband billing, getting a little bit more of his uh, background story.
2: Yeah, well, that was my number four. So what's your I think we've covered that pretty much because there's not much more to talk about as far as that we got. We didn't get that much. So what's your number four? All right.
1: So my number four, uh, we kind of touched on a little bit, too, um, with your number five. But mine is just that the facility is under attack. Um, I mean, some of the key points like we talked, you know, it really felt like Resident Evil. Like you're walking into the mansion, you know. Resident Evil One, you're trying to go room to room and figure out all these yes. things that are going on. Um, I mentioned it was very much like the very first episode of season one. With a, it, I think that was the same elevator. So as everybody's running to the elevator, it's trying to close as these dogs are coming in. And Mm-mm. you know, I love like it looked like. Oh, okay. Well, it's different this time because they escaped. And then it cuts to a scene that cuts back, and the elevator doors open. It's just the dogs just chewing away on these people. I was like, oh, okay, well, they didn't make it. Mm-mm. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, and this ties more into probably later in the episode, but when Bob goes on his mission uh, to reset the breakers, this felt very like Jurassic Park to me.
2: Yes, thank you. Yeah.
1: So he's he's like, oh, well, I gotta, you know. And the only thing I had a question on this is like, why he had to go by himself? Like, why didn't Hop go with him? I don't know if it was a uh, you stay to to helps everybody else, and I can do this on my own. Cause it seemed like it could have been a two man mission.
2: I will. and I'm I'm I th- I think the first thing that you said is what makes sense because he knew that it was going to take Hopper to. because Will is they've drugged him and he's asleep, so somebody's going to have to carry Will. Oh and, yeah, I guess that's true. And then so and then somebody needs to protect Will, Mike, and then there's Joyce, and you know that. With as much as what Bob cared about Joyce, he was not going to allow—he doesn't know Dr. Owens. He can't really trust him to get them out. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know the guy. This is the first time everybody else knows it's Dr. Owens, and and even they don't trust him. It's the first time Bob, and being thrust into this whole situation— That's true. —doesn't know him. I think he was like, nope, this is how it has to be. i got to go by myself. You are going to go get them out of here. I'm going to do what i got to do. You're going to get them out. He trusts Hopper to do that.
1: Yeah, I love that. So as they're, they're getting ready to go on this mission, he's like, well, what are you going to do when he's talking to Hopper? He's like, well, I'm going to go down and reset the breakers. And he's like, then what? He's like, well, then I'll turn turn the, the stuff on. He's like, well, no, you, you got to go and you got to reset the computer. You got to use basic. He's like, do you know basic? <laughs> and Hopper's like, no. He's like, "It's what is it? Like, it's like computer language. He's like, oh, well, teach it to me. I know. <laughs> like, you just you tell me to teach me. you French too? <laughs> Which I don't know if you've done any development work or not, but I, like, as an IT guy, I kind of got a little tickle out of that.
2: I bet um, you did. I thought about you. I was like, I'm going to ask Sean about BASIC.
1: <laughs> and I, I don't know BASIC at all, but I, I did make a point to pause when he was um, typing his stuff out on the computer.
2: Because mm-hmm. a
1: lot of times, like, um, Swordfish, Swordfish is awful with this, where, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to write a com- computer program. It's like, clap, 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 clap. Sure. I'm hacking. Clap, 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 clap. And that's not how it is whatsoever. But I did pause when he was typing out his program. And um, I think he was just basically running through like four different digits in a cycle.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the code looked like it'd be like somewhat legit to do that. Like, I don't think it would have worked in real life because it's very simplistic. Um, but it did at least look like actual like programming code. So I thought that was kind of cool.
2: That was cool. Uh, let's
1: see. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I had really is, you know, with them being attacked in the, the facility and you got the Demi dogs breaking through and, Just everybody kind of running for their life.
2: Oh, so many intense moments. Um, Yeah, I thought about that too. And I thought about you because I know that you have your your background in IT and that's like what you do. And I thought, okay, so that's like you weren't in IT in the 80s. But I didn't know if, you know, in in any of your, you know, education, if if that was something that was touched on or if you knew. Because I, okay, so, I mean, I'm older. And I know what a computer is and I knew what a computer was back <laughs> in the day. I do remember I couldn't tell you what the name of the class was. In junior high, I did take a computer class and it was all the zeros and ones. Like I learned what like that whole zero How to count and one binary. Thing. Yeah, the binary code. And and I learned that and I was really good at it. And it certainly interested me. It's probably totally the direction that I should have taken uh with school instead of like where I'm at. Um, and I do deal like IT is not my thing, but I have to like speak to it in my job. So I know a little bit to enough to be like dangerous, but you know, not <laughs> enough to be an expert or anything, because I am interested and I am like, um, just like the resident family geek in my house that you know i'm the the tech person that solves the issues (laughs) but that's about all i can do i'm certainly not educated and i know people know way more uh, than i do and i totally bow down to everyone's expertise that's for sure but I, i it they made it look believable because i mean you don't have the time that in the show that it probably would have really taken for him to do what he needed to do but it looked good you're right it looked believable i thought
1: Yeah, and I don't know. Like I said, it was a very simple program to basically take four digits and cycle through all the different codes it looked like to make it work. So, I mean, that's something you could legitimately write in a few minutes. Like, that wouldn't be too difficult. But a lot of times when you see these programs, it's like, you know, all these just crazy lines going across the board. And this show and uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, when they were in high school, there was a a high school computer class. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of done the same way. Like, all the stuff on the board was very, like, actual computer science-y type stuff and not like these gibberish lines of, you know, like, words pinned together where people like, oh, my God, computer programming language is all ones and zeros. And it's like, eh, not really. It's not that difficult.
2: Yeah. Some of that's over my head. So you mentioned, okay, so you kind of broke my heart a little bit. You brought up Swordfish. So it's not that easy. Are, can you hack? Sean, are you a hacker? <laughs> are you no, hacking? I am in- not.
1: A, well, what's funny is, like, you, you think, like, most hackers, what they do is they just do where they basically try to, like, A bunch of different passwords and they Uh try to find sites that don't have like minimal uh uh, attempts before the account's locked so it's like oh i know this i know this email address so i'm gonna try all these random passwords and then once they get in that's how they get in so it's not like they're writing i mean it's a program that probably does a lot of it but it's not them and like you know a web page pounding away on a keyboard and being like oh i just broke the matrix and snuck in the back door and swordfish credits
2: Oh, Nothing that breaks like my that. heart because I really yeah. like Swordfish and I love Hugh Jackman. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Well, well, I
1: like Halle Berry, so I guess it's even.
2: Well, you got some good Halle Berry in that movie, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite impressed <laughs> <in> myself. <laughs>
1: well, I'm sure that's not what they look like in real life either.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I didn't care. <laughs> Did not care. Oh. That was a great number four. Really So great what number. do you
1: have uh, for your number three?
2: Number three, w- and and some of these are going to kind of meld together. I feel like my three and two is going to kind of meld together a little bit. But my number three is Will slash The Spy.
1: Ooh, okay, yeah.
2: Oh, I mean, talk about intense. I mean, and, and we, we've said it again and again, but I don't think we can say it too much. Holy crap, Noah Schnapp is so brilliant in these episodes and for for someone so young to go yeah, where he's
1: he, making some great choices i know
2: and i mean what they were able to do whatever it was that you know sean levy the deffer brothers you know or whoever was maybe directing at the time i know like the deffer brothers write like almost all the episodes and stuff but whatever they're doing to you know to help bring out whatever he needs to bring out in these episodes to me is just really amazing because I mean, I'm an adult and I don't think I could. And Obviously, I'm not a trained actor, but these are kids, man. And all these kids do so great and he does so fantastic. Um, but I th- just thought that was so interesting. They know he's the spy. They're realizing, you know, that he has led the, that group of, of guys um, underground. And the demodogs have, you know, they, they realize what Will's doing or it's not really Will. It's that shadow monster, the spy. And Mike is like, we got to stop this guy. So they knock him out. They drug him up and put him to sleep. It breaks Joyce's heart. But she's realizing like they were showing those brain scans that that thing is like taking over him. And he doesn't even – he can't even say right off when she's like, who am I? Oh, yeah. He can't even say it right away. I mean you'd think that if it was enough will in there, it'd be like your mom. But he's just keeps staring at her wide-eyed like – and it's like his – It was hard to tell because his eyes were brown. And and I don't know if you noticed that they would show his eyes. His eyes went from green to brown to show that he was possessed. Oh, I
1: didn't notice it. Oh, wow. I have to look back on that. Yeah. That's a really cool touch. Yeah. It
2: it was really great that they did that because I think his eyes were originally like this green color. But whenever he was possessed, they would show them as brown. And that was to show that he was under that like shadow monster's possession and you know he's sitting there struggling and can't even say that you know with without hesitation that that's his mom um so you know they they know that they have to knock him out because it's the only way like to make him inactive because he's making all these things happen and he's controlling them they getting back to the house and they're saying you know that it's a hive mind uh, a brain that controls everything and then they reference the mind flayer uh, which i have never is one of these days i'm going to join a damn group um is and i know you have a D background is that a D thing or is that just um something that i should probably know and i don't
1: no i think it's very much a, a dnd
2: okay i'd never heard of that but i thought that was super cool i love how they keep referencing it they they you know, throw out this manual, and Hopper's like, "Jesus, this is a game. This isn't real." And I just want to say, you know what, dude, you got dogs after you. Is, is that
0: <laughs> is that real? Yeah,
1: that's a. Uh, in the interrogation, I have that written down as a thing. So I love that Dustin's like going through. It's like, oh, it's like a, a a mind flare. He goes in, he flips open the book, and Hopper's like, "Oh my God, it's like a book, a game." He's like, "It's not a game." And uh, as he's going through it, he, you know, the, he, like everybody's getting into it. It's like, oh my God, okay, maybe this is something. And Hop's like, okay, well, how do we defeat it? And Dustin like goes into complete nerd mode. He's like, "Well, we gotta summon an army of undead because <laughs> the mind flare likes to eat brains. You know, and zombies are undead and they don't they have, have brains." brains. He's like, I don't know. It's just the game.
2: <laughs> I know. He realizes as he's talking, he's not really helping his cause at all about why they should believe him and about the mind flare. But Nancy does. She's like, "Okay, so tell me more. What do we do?" And you know, so they are trying to make some sense out of this because it does seem pretty relatable. And I mean, we've seen it times and time again that's certainly been a the theme even from season 1 you know with with you know the uh whenever they're playing in the uh first episode the the little figurines from D&D and they throw down the demigorgon
0: yeah. and he's like
2: oh the demigorgon got me well what happens later the demigorgon got him you know we've seen that theme throughout um and then we've seen them pull out that the manual uh before in re- in regards to you know trying to kind of figure things out so I just thought that that was so intense. Every scene that he did, like they had him locked up in the shed. I mean, that was really yes. intense. The the, the links that they went to to clear out the shed so that they wouldn't know or will as he was in there uh, or the spy however you want to reference him wouldn't know where he was or where they were because they knew that his mind was controlling everything. Uh, the upside down, everything, and that they were reaching farther or closer and closer to the town. Um, so he couldn't know where they were. Um, I just thought all of that was so intense and how he would yell about, let me go, let me go, let me go. And, I just it was so intense and I got so emotional because seeing kids get emotional like that and screaming like that just gets me emotional. I don't know if it's a mom or parent thing, uh, but it really uh, got to me. Uh, I I really liked it whenever Jonathan, they were all sharing those memories with him trying to draw Will out. And then Jonathan starts playing the clash. And I, I just thought it was super cool. Because they they realize Will is there, he starts signaling in Morse code, and it's like they were keeping the shadow monster busy.
1: Yeah, as they were sharing stories, it felt like Will was getting like a, a an exit route, and so you know the monster, the the flare, the mind flare had to like go and overload to keep make sure that Will can cont- or Mike couldn't get. Or I'm sorry, Will couldn't get back control of his body. Mm-hmm.
2: Super super cool. I thought that in the you know they they figured it out. We've seen Morse code play a part. Um, Hopper would communicate Morse code with, with 11 through the radio with her, um, so nobody, because nobody's really going to pay that much attention to Morse code. So I think if he's worried about people listening in on radio conversations or picking up a radio frequency and hearing him talk to her, um, that's more likely if they, if they talk. But if they communicate through Morse code, that's more of a safer communication. And it was cool to kind of see that play out in this episode as well. And to see Will tapping the side of the chair and that they were like keeping the sh- um, the spy, the shadow monster, uh, mind flare, however you want to reference, busy with all these stories to allow Will to kind of slip off to the side, to to be able to communicate. I thought that was super cool, super super intense. I thought moments.
1: Yes, and basically from that what we get is that he's telling him like close the gate. That's how you defeat the mind flare. Mm-hmm. You close mm-hmm. the gate. Um, I I don't know if this really means anything. I, I was just kind of poking through and like some of it kind of came to light. But I wrote a few of the things down that Will was being told. Yeah. And the first one I saw was the rainbow ship. And I was trying to remember back to what Terry was saying in her phrases. Like one of them was rainbow. Yeah. And uh, his birthday is March 22nd. Um, I have eight written down for some reason. I think it was his eighth birthday and he got a huge box of 120 colors. Yep. So this might be a huge stretch, but it was four to the left or three to the left, four to the right. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Three to the right, four to the left. And from that, you have 22nd, 2 plus 2 is 4. And 120 colors, 1 plus 2 is 3. And then, let's see, the other thing is, so when they met, the first time they met was kindergarten, which is a garden, and sunflowers grow in a garden. That might be a huge, huge stretch. Like, it feels like it, as I'm saying it. But, yeah, um, but I like it. Out, like, if, if these things had any kind of meaning. And that would be kind of cool. Like That's what, like, what show that Mike is at, or Will is actually, like, a part of this bigger plan because Terry is saying these things and they're just kind of coming together. Yeah. And that might've been why Mike's been drawn to Will and Eleven.
2: You know, I think at this point, um, anything is up for grabs. I don't think that that is too far of a stretch. I mean, that's some pretty cool connections that I certainly had not uh, given any thought to. You got some like lost uh, mythology stuff going on.
1: Yeah, right I mean, it was just because it was written. I was like, rainbow. I'm like, well, she said rainbow. And I'm like, okay, well, three to the right, four to the left. Like, how does anything else play? <gasps> two plus two is four.
2: And then it just starts to click, right?
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And it's like, no, it's it's just all random stuff we picked. <laughs> but I want to know, what what were your thoughts about the uh, Mind Flare talking through Will?
2: I Well, I thought it was creepy as hell. I mean, I... I I have this thing with creepy kids. I've mentioned it before. Creepy kids kind of scare the hell out of me, but I was conflicted because it was creeping me out on one side with, with how he was screaming, let me go, let me go. Um, to then knowing that that was will inside of there trying to communicate as well. Um, and that he was obviously in some distress and that broke my heart and got me a little bit emotional as that was happening. So I, I had some conflicting thoughts, but I, I I was scared. I really had like goosebumps and I just I had some moments. What what were your thoughts on that? It
1: was very um like exorcist.
2: Yes. Oh how they had him tied to the damn chair.
1: Yes. Ooh. Let me go. Well that's the thing too. Like it takes like you gotta give Joyce all the props in the world because I think if any of these situations ever come up in, like, movies or in real life, it's like, no, my my kid's not possessed. Like, my kid's fine. Like, don't, mm-hmm. don't put him to sleep. But she saw through it right away, and, like, we always talk, like, people make her out to be not as smart or not on the ball as she is, and she knows what's going on and did her best to be like, okay, well, something's wrong with my kid. Mm-hmm. We need to save him. And so that's, I mean, again, just going back, that's kind of the gist I got is this was very exorcist and, I like think an exorcist, her mom didn't really think anything was really wrong with her at first until the, the priest showed up.
2: No, until she's freaking walking down the steps backwards, like upside down. And then, then, yeah, maybe we got a problem. And then when she's peeing on the floor in front of everybody, that might be a problem. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I still do that now and I'm some <laughs> years old. So <laughs> that might be because I drink too much. <laughs>
2: You know, they have pills for that, I think now. You might want to look into that. No, you're right. That's a really, I think I had that initial thought whenever they were strapping him down and they were like tying him with that, it looked like clothesline. And I think I had that initial thought my first watch. I didn't take notes during, sometimes I take notes during my first watch of something is inspiring or that hits me, I'll hurry up and take a quick note, but I don't focus too much on my notes or anything. I save it for my second watch. I do, I think, remember having that during my first watch because I watched it immediately. Like after we recorded last week, I was like, see ya, I'm going to go watch episode eight. I got to see what happens. Um, so the, my first watch was um, almost a week ago. and But I think it immediately left my head. The Exorcist scarred me, me for life. So I think that as soon as I had that thought, I was like, don't even start bringing the exorcist yeah. into your brain because that's not where you need to go.
1: <laughs> uh, that always reminds me of like it. Like there's like times you'll be laying in bed and it's like you can't kind of sleep. You're like, OK, well, I'll roll over. And I kind of feel like I'm, I'm about ready to fall asleep. And All of a sudden your mind's like, you know what you haven't thought about recently? Pennywise the clown or the devil from the exorcist. Let's think of both those things. That'll help you go to sleep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There there are so many things wrong with The Exorcist. And I know that people, there are some people that don't have a problem with that movie. They're like, oh yeah, it's a really great movie. It's a scary movie. It was great. But I'm like, no, it, it, I grew up Catholic and yeah, see, you know, that's all I have to say. And people, whenever I say, look, you know, and I know a lot of people did grow up Catholic and I've talked to people who grew up, that way and um, didn't have a problem with it. But some do. They're like, oh, my God, yes, I did, too. And that's why it scarred me. And (laughs) I think everybody that's been scarred and traumatized by that movie has that background. Um, That's what you're preached to. And that's what you're growing up believing. And I'm certainly not. Please, people, don't at me. Okay, don't at me. I don't want to hear anything about, I'm not saying anything that there's anything bad about the religion at all. I think it's, it's fantastic. I did grow up with that religion. I have all the utmost respect. I'm not getting into any kind of debate. I'm just stating that particular religion, um, had some certain beliefs that, um, made you just scarred for life. If you watched the exorcist, especially as a young child, as I watched it, there were some very disturbing things in that movie. If you haven't seen it, Mm, um, I'm not going to tell you to watch it. I'm this one. I'm not, I'm not going to promote.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's the subtle stuff. And that really messes with me. Like when she's in the doctor's office and they have that quick shot of the devil or like a demon. No, it's and you're scary. like, Whoa, did I just see that? And you're like, Hey, did you just see that? And whoever's sitting next to like, saw so what? I'm like, uh, I, I, let's stop watching this movie. Let's, let's watch care bears. Yeah. Well, care bears care. Let's do that. Let's go watch
2: some teenage mutant Ninja turtles. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Let's Go watch something happy. And, and, and not this, pea soup puking thing (laughs) totally got off on a tangent that's my fault because it scarred me and traumatized me horribly as a child that's one movie i can't watch um if it comes on i immediately have to flip the channel that's one i can't watch over again yeah it was definitely an exorcist feel that was intense so
1: my number two uh just to tie into this was the interrogation of will so kind of going on that as well so the last note i had on that was i'm kind of confused how the phone call triggered where they were at because they had hidden everything in there. Like he had no clue if he was in a, you know, a basement or in a shed or, you know, three towns over. Mm-hmm. But for some reason that phone call specifically triggered him to know, Oh, I'm at Mike's house. I'm at, I mean, I'm at Will's house. I know where I'm at. And he was able to summon the the demodogs there. That was the only thing I was kind of like, what allowed that to happen?
2: Yeah. I agree that that was a bit of a stretch. I'm with you because um, and I tried to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt thinking, well, Will knows his own phone. Like there's probably almost every other house in Hawkins has that phone, that same exact phone uh, that that he has. But I don't know. It's like for some reason, you kind of know your own phone ring. It's distinctive. For you, I guess. I don't know. I was trying to just play it off like, well, he just knows it's his. Like he's in Will's brain and he knows everything that Will knows. And if it, if Will recognizes it, he recognizes it.
1: I guess that makes sense. I
2: don't. And I'm not explaining it away. That's how I was trying to make sense in my brain. Because I thought the same thing. I was like, well, that's kind of a stretch. Why? That could be any other phone.
1: Steve called that out, too. He's like, I mean, it's a phone. I mean, it could be a phone from anywhere. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, maybe you, you kind of realize that the echo of your phone or the ambiance of your phone kind of has that similar sound. So, I mean, I guess I could kind of buy that.
2: I Well, and, I mean, that's the only way I tried to have it make sense because I try to have it make sense because I, 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 I guess because I need it, to. <laughs> I, tried. <laughs> I guess I need it to make sense. So I'm willing to stretch that a little bit, but I don't really buy it. Cause I thought the same thing. Steve was like, oh, it was just a phone. I'm like, yeah. And especially in like that, like 1984, Everybody's pretty much got the same darn phone. There's probably just a handful of phones uh, that are different that people have in their homes, uh, and they all pretty much sound about the same. It's not like we all have different ringtones like we have on our cell phones, or you can you know tell that that's a an iPhone ring versus a, a Samsung ringtone or something. You know, they're all pretty generic back in the day. Um, I was just trying to make it make sense because for some sometimes I need something to make sense, so that's where my brain was going. <laughs> But uh, it was a stretch. That, but I think they, I think they just needed something to happen because they needed a reason for Will to know where he was, or the spy to know where he was, so they could call de- the Demigorgons to the house. So it was just.
1: Yeah, that's the only thing that we have to complain about. Like, I still feel like we're pretty much in the the red on this show. Like, it's still in good shape.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it's a small thing. I'm willing to let go, but I think it's if you chalk it up to it just it's something that we needed to happen. Um. So he could be like, "Oh, I know where we're at. We're in, we're in the shed. We're in the shed where it all began. Where will disappeared." You know? (laughs) Okay. So what's your number three?
1: All right. So my number three, I go back to it's Doctor Sam Owen. So we have talked multiple times. Like, okay, well, is this guy good? Is he bad? Like, you know, does he just have good bedside manner? So is he really just another Doctor Brenner? Mm -hmm. And from this episode, he stayed behind. So when I saw this happen, my question was, well, is he actually good? Like, is he actually being a good, genuine guy here? He tried to help Bob get out. And, he, I, you know, this is the pessimistic side of me because as Bob's walking down the hallway, I'm like, he's going to fuck Bob over. He's going to tell Bob, hey, turn left. There's going to be a dog there. It's going to eat him. And then he's going to leave and be like, oh, Bob died. It wasn't my fault. I tried to help him. But, no, he's he's legitimately trying to help Bob make it through. And at this point, he's still at the facility. That's all we know, which, again, like the pessimistic side is like, oh, he's back there to (laughs) hide some evidence or something. (laughs) But my number three, we talked about it a little bit, too, is just it's just Dr. Sam Owens and the fact that he's maybe like just like Billy. Maybe he's an okay dude.
2: I know. And I had him uh, not in my top five or anything, but certainly a mention because I think we saw because I think we've seen a little bit more of him in, in his character that we're not able to just write him off as a bad dude. He's, I think, a little bit more complex than that. And we've seen that in some other episodes, like when he's, uh, you know, taken up for Will, like when they're talking about, well, you know, screw the kid, if he dies, he dies. And he's like, you know, you want to say that to me again? You know, and he's clearly, I think, has some sort of caring towards Will. And and then this episode, he stays behind. He sends, you know, Hopper and all of them out to get out. And he's staying back, you know, like you said, to, to watch for Bob. That because he has access to all those cameras, he can help Bob, you know, like, hey, wait a minute. You've got one, you know, right outside your door, uh, you know, and kind of help him navigate out and make sure he has safe safe passage. Otherwise, Bob is, you know, navigating on his own and going in, or trying to get out blind. and. I thought well okay so and and we will I, I know definitely touch on that point as well um in, in my next point but it's like well so they they left and what happened happened who's helping dr owens you know yeah. he's got the cameras i'm i don't know if i'm guessing there's probably cameras outside his door that he can see but he's not going to know once he steps outside that door if he turns a corner if there's anything else coming but then again, we know all the Demogorgons did get called. Does he is he gonna know that they've left the building? That he is he gonna see them all running out? He can see them busting through that door and, and trying to escape as they're all leaving the facility and running out. Um and then he feels safe to leave. Maybe one stayed behind, chomping on somebody's dead body. I don't know, they seem to enjoy that.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were all kind of chomping away on poor Bob at the end, so
2: Oh god. Yeah, we're into that. I don't know. That that's a really good point. I think that yeah, there's a little bit more to Doctor Owens. I don't think he's. I don't think he's necessarily all good guy. I don't think he's necessarily all bad guy. I think he's just a little bit more complex than that. Which is, aren't we all a little bit more? Yeah, complex I mean that's more that? realistic.
1: Nobody's really one hundred percent good or one hundred percent bad.
2: Exactly. I think there's just more to him, and it's too easy to just put a label on him. And say oh, you're just one of the bad guys. Yep. So
1: that's just my number three. Is like this Doctor Sam Owens guy.
2: Good one. and Paul Riser, I love him. Um, uh, mad about you, check him out. Sean, you've got homework to do you gotta go and watch Alien and then Aliens.
1: He yeah, can? I like I said, like when we if this the show doesn't pick back up in twenty nineteen, we got a lot of movies we need to watch.
2: Yeah, <laughs> both of us. I know you've given me some homework as well, some movies that I need to watch, but um I definitely need you to watch Alien, the first and second one, and the second one, the Paul Risers and I think you'll see some uh um, maybe a few similarities a little bit and, and where some of the fan theories were coming from when he was introduced um, as a, a new cast member for the show um, due to his role in Alien. So I'm curious to hear what you think. Um, if you watch it. So good number three. Very good number three. I am interested in Doctor Um. So my number two is just we all come together. Everyone has been so scattered throughout I feel like almost the entire season. The kids have not been a collective group like they were, which maybe in the first season they weren't really either because Will was missing pretty much from the first episode until the very end of the, the first season. Um so maybe they weren't such a, a tight collective group but they had eleven there as well to kind of fill fill in for part of that and be part of the group. But everyone's been so scattered. You've had Destin and Steve off being completely awesome together. Um, Mike has been with Will for part of this. Um, we've got Max kind of new to the group. Lucas has been kind of off doing his own thing. Uh, Nancy and Jonathan have been off doing their own thing, getting into trouble and doing things teenagers shouldn't be doing. Um, and now here everyone kind of comes together, and I loved it. I thought, yes, can we please get everyone together? I love when you see all of them come together and work together. Um, I already mentioned as they were coming out of the woods, you see the noises from the, the, the facility and the lights are flashing and you can hear like the, the screams or moans, barks, whatever you want to call it, of the Demigorgons, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, like this, like something out of Resident Evil. No, thanks. I'll just turn game over. <laughs> you know, I'll just happily walk off somewhere else. I just love seeing everyone working together at the same time in the same place when they all gather together back at Joyce. Joyce's house and they're all working together to try to come up with a plan. How do we defeat this thing? Uh, you know, what's what are we gonna do next? Um, I just I really liked all of that. I like all of them together. Um and and I just it was it was good to see. Good to see Hopper, his exasperated expression the kids, you know, it's like, a game, this isn't real.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Steve's comment about um the Nazis. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: this is like the Germans. You mean the Nazis? The Germans,
2: you mean the Nazis? <laughs> I mean, it was just so good. You just you can't get anything better than this group of of everyone you know um, coming together and and the magic that happens. So it's kind of short because we talk a lot about already what the things that they have done or or were doing as far as how they were working together when they had Will strapped in the shed and they were all working together to. to you know, distract the shadow monster to try to communicate with Will, um, and how they were working together to do that. How they were using Morse code and translating um, the Morse code once they had figured that out, and they were working together. It all kind of comes, you know, kind of comes together a little bit. My two are my two and my three, but um, that was it. I would just, I would just love, I love seeing. I thought it was great. I didn't mind it so much. that They were apart, and we had these different groups because I thought everything worked. I didn't mind it so much. But when, but I feel like you get that reward when you see them all come together, and you're like, oh yes, this is this is good. You know, it's, they're good apart, and it works. But when they come together, magic
1: happens. Yeah, so. it's like we're getting the band back together. Woo! Yeah. No, I, I had this actually had everybody coming together as a, it was a note. I was going to put it as one of my numbers, but it just kind of ended up being a note. Uh, but yeah, it's very like Game of Thronesy. Like you know, after this long time where all these people are doing their own thing, finally they're coming together. This is a lot quicker than the, you know, seven seasons of Game of Thrones. But the only note I really had on this piece is uh, when they're at the gate and Jonathan presses the button a bunch of times, it doesn't work. And then Dustin walks over and is like, let me try. And Jonathan's like, dude, it's like, it doesn't work. And he's like, Jonathan, like, whatever, (laughs) dude, try. And he pushed a bunch of times. He's just like, son of a bitch. So I thought that was kind of a funny little line in that whole them coming together moment.
2: When it, when it, when they all come together and it happens like that, it's it's just a beautiful thing. and uh, Very rewarding. So that was my, that was my number two.
1: But and sure my was. number two was just interrogating Will. So let's jump into what was your number one.
2: I have a feeling, you know, Sean, look, we've been out of sync a little bit these last few yeah. weeks. And I'm feeling a little disheartened about it. And I think that we are finally here at the end, kind of getting back in sync. I have a feeling our number ones are going to be the same. Uh, maybe not named the same, but about the same. And uh, mine is Bob the superhero.
1: Oh, mine's the death of that Demogorgon at the end. That was so sad. <laughs> no, yeah, my number one's Bob too. <laughs>
2: To pull one over on me. I'm too intoxicated <laughs> for you to do that. To me. I can't do that. Oh gosh, this this was so hard. I had a feeling it was gonna happen because it's kind of in a way like so many shows. The, these people are too good for the world. Yeah. And Bob seemed, and I know. Look, people, I know you can call me out. I'm gonna call myself out on it. I know I said earlier. I didn't believe it 100%. I just had that fear and skepticism that Bob was too good. Maybe I've just known too many assholes in my life that's made me cynical or something because I was having such a hard time believing that Bob was so good and yeah. so pure-hearted that I thought, no, he's got to be a plant. He's got to be a spy. He's there to gather information and spy on Joyce and Will and making sure that they um, are following the rules You know, as far as uh, protecting the secret of what ha- of what. Truly happened and stuff and and I had the, I didn't want him to be I don't know I've said that I didn't want him to be, but I had that fear, and we really got to see how pure hearted he was because he truly was a superhero, yes, he was he did he was so brave telling hopper you know they they dragged that dead cop uh to get his like security pass and his radio and everything that Bob needed to be able to get to the basement and to be able to communicate, and he was telling Hopper not to wait for him, yeah know, like get them out, no matter what happens to me. Your your thing that I want you to do is to get them out. Um, they saw eye to eye on that. Hopper totally agreed. Um, and what he did was so brave. And, you know, he gets down to the basement, and you already called it. And I had it in my notes as well in my number one. It was so Jurassic Park-like as he's kind of resetting the breakers. It was definitely that Jurassic Park moment when Laura Dern was having to, like, prime uh, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the system to, to recharge so they could get the controls back up.
1: When Samuel L. Jackson's arms fall on her, yeah.
2: <laughs> and then the Velociraptor peeks up <laughs> out of there. God, you don't get any better than Jurassic Park. I'm such a freaking dinosaur nerd. Um, oh yeah.
1: Oh, and I'm super pumped for the new one too. Oh I'm my ready God, for it.
2: I know. How, oh God, I can't wait. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dinosaur nerd, and I love all the Jurassic Parks. I don't care how bad they are. Give me some dinosaurs. I'm a happy girl. Um. So yeah, I totally felt a Jurassic Park moment as he's resetting those breakers. Um, you know you see him do his basic magic he was just like oh I got this stuff um, it made absolutely no sense to me it certainly looked familiar back in the day with that whole language but I certainly didn't understand it or pretend to to know I would have been able to do that but it certainly looked familiar back in the day with some of the the older computers and, and their systems and and the language at the time I do remember basic and and that kind of speak I just didn't know really what to, how to do with it um Thought he had some super intense moments when he when he hides in the closet, and he played it so well. I mean, he was like sweating and shaking, you know. When that Demogorgon's right outside that friggin' closet, and he's and he's so nervous and trying to stay quiet, so he so that thing will keep moving, and he can get out. And just when you think he's free, that frickin' broom. Yeah,
1: damn brooms will always get you.
2: Oh my god! And I thought and I thought he probably didn't even touch it. I mean, me—I'm a klutz. I totally would have tripped over it, hit it with my shoulder, my hand, my arm, something. In my in my um, urgency to escape from the closet, I'm—I'm I'm a klutz, and I probably would have knocked it. I didn't even see him make a move. It was just like he stepped out. He looks both ways, and all of a sudden, the broom just comes down. And all you can think—it does it in this slow motion.
1: Yeah. Uh, all you can think just... is,
2: "Oh shit."
1: Just you're saying the same thing, Paul Reiser, is just run,
2: run, run. Exactly. Wasn't that, weren't you saying it at the same time?
1: Yeah. Run. Well, oh, and like when he didn't get taken out in the closet, I was like, oh, Bob's going to make it. And uh wow. you see him running and he's, I mean, he's booking it and he makes yes. it through and like, oh, God, he got the doors closed. I'm like, oh, there's Joyce. And he like has that look on his face. I'm like, oh, he's dead. Like I he's going to die here. Like I, I knew it before it happened. I know. And uh, I mean, it was such a—I mean, like he ins- he gets attacked first, and like you see him kind of fighting it off, and then Hopper comes in with that big machine gun. And you're like, oh, maybe maybe this will work, and he gets a couple shots off, and you think Bob can make it. I mean, he it looked like he had a good bite taken out of him, mm-hmm. but then a bunch of more dog- demo dogs come in and finish the job on him, and so, uh, it was. Cool. I mean, of of deaths that I've seen, like, that's... Pro- like, uh on my other podcast, Language bros we did a hero's moment draft, mm-hmm. year, like, maybe a year or two ago. Like, if, if this... I've seen this episode before that draft, this would have been one of my hero moments. Yes. Or my most memorable, like, deaths. Because it was... You gotta feel for this guy. Like we said, like, nobody's 100% good, but I'm pretty sure Bob Newby's at least in the 95% tile of 95% good, 5% bad. Yes. And... We talked about it earlier too, a little bit. Like you know, was he brave or dumb or a little of both? But there was no like he's like, okay, well, this is what has to be done, so I'm gonna do it. And he's not doing mm-hmm. it to be brave. He's not doing it. I mean, he's doing it for Joyce, but it's not like a ego trip yeah. for Joyce. It's a okay. He's I'm the, the only, only one that, that can, can do, do this, so yeah. I have to do it.
2: He's the only one that can do it,
1: and yeah. and uh. Oh. Geez, the other, so, I mean, I think what I really like about this show is it seems like they have a lot of, like, real-life moments down. Like, we talked earlier, the the moment with Harry and Billy and his dad. Uh Uh-huh. Unfortunately, that's something that's played out probably thousands of times in history, even probably more than that. But the moment where they get back to uh, Joyce's house, and Hopper goes into her room, and she's just sitting there with a blanket around her, and Hopper just sits. And I think a lot of TV shows try to play on these moments as, like, some kind of huge, like, speech from both of them. Mm Mm-hmm but in this moment is very realistic it was just hopper sitting there and there's there's no words to be said it's just him being there for her and probably the majority of the way that it is for people in situations like i'm just here and we're just going to have to let time go by because that's you know she i mean she loved that dude and yeah. he gave he gave his life for them to to leave cuz that's what he said. He's like don't wait for me like you guys go and yeah,
2: like no matter what happens what get them up happening. out
1: and that's what Hopper did. Hopper kept his promise there, so got them all out safely.
2: Yeah, that. Oh God, it was so it was so emotional for me. I mean, Sean Astin, you know, anyone that has grown, and I mean, you don't have to have been a child of the '80s to know who Sean Astin was, because you can certainly appreciate his movies. Um, and and you know how you know I just happened to kind of grow up from there, and I, I knew him from a lot of roles from like the Goonies. The Goonies was, I I will not sit here and say it was like one my most favorite movie, but it was certainly a top you know, probably in the top 10 for me as a kid, you know, um, who didn't love adventure and pirates, you know, I've always been a big pirate fan. And, you know, that had a lot to do with the Goonies and and the whole adventure thing. And, you know, Sean Astin, that was uh, a big role for him. And then, of course, there are lots of other things that he's done. I've always, you know, admired his work and been a big fan. He's been around for a long time. And so it was a really emotional moment. Um, And just because I have kind of grown to love Bob, I've always thought oh that's kind of sweet and in his corn dog ways um, you know and how you know h- how pure he really was of spirit and I, n- I know I kept thinking I'm just waiting for the ball to drop I just know he's he, nobody's that good damn yeah, it nobody's
1: but, that good of a guy but he
2: really was and it was so emotional I mean I really I was crying when he goes uh-huh. to the doors and you think that he's safe and that damn dog attacks him and you see the arm of that demidog because he's kind of holding off its Mm -hmm. mouth because obviously that is a huge threat i mean it's a mouth full of freaking teeth you don't want that thing coming on you he seems to be uh, doing a, a decent job at least where hopper like you said can come over with the gun and hopefully get a couple shots off and get it off of him so he can get away i mean he's right there he's right there at that door in that lobby you know if he can get it off of him and even get it hurt enough to get it off of him so he can run and they can get out he's home free and you see him like holding it off trying to keep it that his like mouth thing from coming down on him but then you see that dog's arm kind of come down into his side and just yeah. r- take a just dig right into him with those claws and and oh
1: well it was all slow-mo too and there's just <sighs> like oh there's no coming back from that because that was a deep cut like that's one where even if they were able to get to him yeah he was, uh, he was he not was not in done. good
2: shape and that and that incapacitated him enough to where he wasn't able to fight anymore and hopper of course you know was trying to get a couple shots off but then boom here comes the rest of the pack and they're on him and they have to go and i mean watching joyce's face the entire time that yeah that was heartbreaking the even with hopper and i don't know that we got to see how well Hopper and um I mean obviously they knew each other it's a small town they're all friends you know and Hopper and Joyce you know have this relationship so I don't know how well Hopper and Bob knew each other or what their relationship was like how close or not close that they were but clearly there was a camaraderie there in spirit and I think Hopper admired him for what he was doing and knew that he was doing this really brave act and even the look on his face and how devastated he was by what was happening was horrible, and I was so devastated in watching this scene. And I so did not need them to go back to that last shot of those demogorgons eating Bob. That was horrible. Mm-hmm. I really could have done without that scene. <laughs> well
1: that's—I mean—that's a very like like whenever you see these moments where people give their their lives, usually like to to animals or something like that. You never really see that cutback scene. Yeah. But you know, that's what's happening. It's like it's somebody slowly getting eaten. It's not like it's a death they don't deserve.
0: Yeah. And
1: Bob definitely did not deserve this slow. Like he didn't deserve to be somebody's food. No. And that's what he he's dog poop now. And he did not deserve that.
2: Oh, it was horrible. And then we get, you know, when we get back to the house and they're all kind of like trying to regroup because they've all been through this experience. Like what the hell is happening? They're all probably trying to reconvene him because they've all been a part for for so many episodes and they're all coming back together and they're i'm sure sharing some information and trying to figure out what to do they just lost bob in this horrific event and mike then we find out that bob was a founding member of the hawkins av club and he did a fundraiser for them to get equipment and mr clark even learned from him and that that's real special to the boys because that is their source, their group, that's their thing. Is the AV club. That's, you know, their their thing that they do. And to know that, that you know, that got them in a moment. That And, and poor Will doesn't even have a clue as to what's going on right now because he's all possessed and stuff, but, you know.
1: Yeah, and it, it seemed like Will was a lot closer to, to Bob than Jonathan was. So, like, if he comes to and realizes that – because that's going to be tough for him because if he comes mm-hmm. to and realizes in some – Small way, he was responsible for it because the mind flare took him over. Like, how awful is he going to feel about that? Yeah,
2: he's totally. Even though he's not, because he he certainly couldn't help what happened to him and and that thing overtaking him. But you know, he's going to feel responsible for that. Yeah, um, and for that happening, because if it hadn't been for him, he wouldn't have um, had to have died. But that was that's my number one. I know that sounds like that's your number one too. If you have anything, yeah, else you mine can say. was
1: just titled bob the superhero and we kind of touched on all of it. it's you know it's it's a sad like i i don't know if i was really expecting this character to go uh in this season but you know and again netflix shows i love because this is a huge death mm-hmm. i had no clue it was coming no so i really like that these things don't get spoiled even though they're being put out right away so
2: yeah i'm glad i didn't get spoiled on this this was one that i was able to well i haven't been spoiled on anything um throughout i've been very careful despite having to dig for the news every week <laughs> and I <think> that somehow <laughs> i remained um untouched by this one and uh, i'm glad that i did i mean i guess i'm glad anyway it was horrible i was so sad just for sean Aston. i thought he did so fantastic um and i and like you said this was not what he deserved um to go out this way after his act of bravery and it was just horrible that it happened cuz you just thought he he was free and it was going to happen twice cuz you thought oh he's going to get out of that closet and then that damn broom yeah. fell and then he gets finally makes it all the way to the lobby he's got one more damn door to go and and then he's taken out and it was it was horrible bob we love you man that was <laughs> that was emotional so you don't have anything else to say about your number 1 do you have some notes
1: uh so I've got one note. I mean it's another big thing that happened right at the end, but it's very much like it felt like an Avengers moment mm-hmm. is where they're preparing for battle. So you have Hop with a machine gun, you have Nancy with the shot <laughs> with the rifle, you have Steve with his bat, yeah. and you have Lucas with his wrist rocket, and all these guys are prepared as the demodogs are coming. And you hear the Demodog, like going through like something outside and you're like, what the hell? And it gets thrown through the window. Now at first when I heard all the rustling going outside, I was like, Oh shit, we're gonna see badass Billy now. It's not hairband Billy, it's badass <laughs> hairband Billy. I don't know why I thought that. But no, we get something even better. We get bitch and L walking yeah, through the it's door. Funny, it's she's like exactly <laughs> She's like, I'm ready, to, <laughs> I'm ready to I'm ready to was it chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of chewing gum.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we get but was, we, we get all of that, and we don't even get – I mean, that was like a big moment, but she's just in my notes.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, it was really quick. I mean, it was like you saw all that, throw it through, and it's like, okay, well, now the group's together.
2: It's hilarious that you say that because that's exactly what I had in my notes. It's 11, you know, come through that door.
1: Yeah, and that and was the last note I had. So what whatever notes you have, fire away.
2: Oh, gosh. Um, just a few things, not too many – many big things I really like and I tell you know because I give so much Destin love uh, every time that we talk. The one thing where, you know, the power was still out. Bob was trying to get power back to everything, like the doors unlocked and the gate out to the facility was locked, like they couldn't get through the gate to even drive up there. And as Bob is working to get the power back on, Destin and Steve were in that guard gate trying to like they're hitting buttons and they're trying to get it going. You see Bob uh he's he's doing every you know working his magic with basic and getting the computer and in, in the system booted back up and you can see the doors are unlocking and then the gate unlocks and dustin hits that button and he thinks that he did it he was like he's like i did it and he had that big smile on his face he's like i opened the gate and he was all excited i thought that was super adorable <laughs> um i love you dustin you so sweet um and then of course he had his moment um, before, where we talked about you know with the mind player and how he's, yeah. he's kind of been the go to guy you know throughout the whole like the sense of um or the voice of reason so gotta gotta give some Dustin love out there. I don't yeah,
1: think he's it. our comic relief. It's like it's kid stuff. It's not kid stuff. It's a it's manual. A manual.
2: <laughs> this is law. Um, and I and I just I had an observation that about Mike. You know, Mike had a a, a pretty good episode. um not the last episode with the lost sister, but the one before that, I believe. where he was—he stayed with Will. He was being a really great friend to Will. Didn't leave his side. Everything that Will was going through when they were at the facility, but we haven't got a whole lot of great stuff out of Mike. I feel like most of what we got out of him, all throughout the season, he, he's been kind of whining about L being gone and kind of snapping at Max.
1: Yeah, he's time. kind. Yeah, he's been real dickish to her. I don't know if it's still—he's just jealous or what, but
2: just I'm a little bit disappointed because there's I mean he was so great uh in in the first season. You know, he was kind of the ringleader and bringing everyone together and he was like no matter what, we're going to find Will and we're not going to give up and you know, and it, he was so, you know, he saw so much out of him in the first season and it's like I we haven't gotten. And maybe it's because they're giving a lot of it to Will Noah Schnapp this season and he's taken a bit of a back seat. but I was just kind of an observation of got much out of him and he's so talented. Um, so I'm kinda disappointed with, with um you know and it's not his fault how they're writing it. But um wish we had a little bit more. He's he's been great in everything that he's in all the all the scenes. Um it's just I feel like we just haven't gotten much out of him other than whining and stuff like that. Um and then yeah, we talked about Bitchin' eleven. You mentioned Nancy taking charge with the gun when uh, Hopper just kind he's like, you know, Do you know how to use this? And she's like, I do and <laughs> That hesitation, he just slings <laughs> it to her, and off they go. And like you tossed it
1: right to her.
2: Had a marvel moment, and I thought that was awesome. I, said, I really love that. Good moment. So that's, that's all my notes. I think we covered it pretty well. Goodness. So we have a bit of news, a couple of news items. um But before we jump into the news, I just want to make a quick announcement. Um, I know that we have lots of Star Wars fans that listen to this show. So if you like Star Wars, if you have happened to see The Last Jedi, because it did come out this last weekend, um, I have seen it. Sean has seen it.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: Yeah. um, I was able to be on The Walking Dead cast with Jason and Karen and Mr. Blog from Under the Comic Covers. Um, Those are both podcastica uh, shows. And we did a Star Wars podcast on The Last Jedi. So if anyone is interested in The Last Jedi, if you saw the movie and, hey, you liked it, you loved it, you don't know yet, you're not sure how you feel about it, I understand those feelings. Um, Go check out The Walking Dead cast with Jason and Karen. By the time that you... Listen to this episode, it will be released already. So if you're interested, go check it out. I think we had some pretty good things to say about it. Um and I'd love to hear what you guys say about it. So go check out the Walking Dead Cast. So I'm gonna go watch it again. How about you, Sean?
1: Uh I got plans to see it tomorrow and then get got plans to see it uh the day after tomorrow. So I've got two more viewings already lined up.
2: Um so we do have some news. Uh, Sean, do you want to start off with the first item?
1: Yeah, so our first one comes from Variety. So Vin Wolfhard, best known for his star-making turn as Mike on Stranger Things, is set to star opposite Mackenzie Davis in Amblin's haunted house film, The Turning. In this adaptation of Henry James' novella, The Turn of the Screw, a young woman hired as the nanny to two orphans is convinced that the country mansion they live in is haunted. Wolfhard, Wolfhard plays one of the orphans. Production is expected to start the first quarter of 2018.
2: Ooh, so there sticking. you go.
1: Yeah, some scary kid stuff there for you, Rima.
2: Yeah. Uh, hopefully he's not too creepy in this one. Um, but, you know, and it's interesting. Cause ben Wolfhard is Mike in Stranger Things. Stranger Things is creepy. Uh, you know, scary stuff happening. He was in It. Uh, Lord knows that scared the hell out of me. And that was a scary movie. <laughs> And now he's doing this one. Um he's kinda Hey Rima, just
1: a second, scary. something's going on.
2: Okay.
1: I'm the float.
2: What? <laughs> don't don't
1: no. no. Uh sorry no. I had to. Well it's it's from where you so there's an awesome video you sent me about like these guys <laughs> playing Call yes. of Duty yes. and somebody was like voicing over as Pennywise and uh and Georgie and the dude, like, legitimately freaks out. And then they start <laughs> calling him by name. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we're coming to your house or whatever. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the dude's door. He's like,
0: oh, hell
2: no. I know. I knew you would love that one. I was like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, it's another Sean.
1: That's one of those things that's funny when it happens to other people. Yeah, I hope, hope he doesn't get typecast. Um, And he kind of is at least allowed to kind of grow in different areas. Because it seems like, you know, uh, the guy who plays Carl, who's leaving, like I'm worried that that's kind of the role he'll be stuck in,
2: mhm, right, because it's so you know he grew up in that role, and um yeah, hey, spoiler alert if you haven't watched any Walking Dead, go watch it, um even though we didn't really say too much but yeah i'm just I'm curious, you know, just kinda of stick with that kind of thing, I don't know, but I'm interested, there wasn't really a whole lot of information, and i haven't I haven't read this novella, but I've heard some good things about this production, so I'll have to check it out, and more news to come as we get it, if that interests you. So, uh, and the next news item: there's no particular news source, but Stranger Things has been nominated uh, for the following awards for the 2018 SAG Awards. Uh, so we know that we talked about the um, well, what was the the Golden Globe Awards. Uh, Stranger Things has been nominated. This, so this is for the SAG Awards. Um, so for outstanding action performance by st- stunt ensemble in a commoner drama series, um, Stranger Things. David Harbour, who plays Hopper, Yeehaw, um yeah. Has been nominated, yeah, for Outstanding Performance by a male actor in a drama series. Uh Millie Bobby Brown has been nominated in the Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Drama series. And then the entire cast um was nominated for Outstanding Performance by an ensemble in a drama series. So Congrats to everyone that was nominated, the entire cast and the individuals and the show itself, and good luck to everyone. We'll be rooting for you.
1: Yeah, hopefully they get some hardware. It's well-deserved.
2: Yeah, really uh, well-deserved the season. The season was really great. So good luck to everyone. I'll be watching. I watch all the award shows. I'm a nerd about it. (laughs) Okay, so up next we have... My absolute favorite part that we get to hear from you guys. So this is Letters from the Upside Down. We'll give you a little bit of listener feedback and see what you guys have to say about the show. So, John, why don't you get us started?
1: All right. Our first one comes from Danielle Flugman Samino. That's an awesome name. Yes. So, all yeah. this episode. So sad about Bob. He was awesome, even if he was a goober. The shot with everyone with their weapons in Joyce's house and then Lucas with his wrist rocket. I nearly died laughing. And the look on Mike's face when L comes back. This episode pulled at every or each and every heartstring. These characters, especially the kids, are amazing. Love it.
2: I agree. Billy Moreau says, "Fuck, fuck, fuckety fuck." Not Bob. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that dorky tries a little too hard but means well. Big old teddy bear. Fun fact: This episode was originally titled "The Brain." Bob, the brain newbie, was always going to die. Uh. The writers revealed that their initial plan was to have Bob killed somewhere around the third episode by Evil Will, who has been possessed by the Mind Flayer slash Shadow Monster. However, they kept delaying their plans because they loved working with Sean Astin so much. Astin insisted he didn't care when Bob was killed as long as he was given a heroic death. Rest in peace, Bob. Loved the suspense in this one while they were making their way through the lab. Glad to see that Dr. Paul Reiser seems to be a good guy for real, but I did find it a little strange that he was the only one not killed by the Demodogs. Sure, he was injured, but still. And yay, Ella's back. Mike's face was so sweet when he saw her. Uh, Keep up the great work, Raymond, Sean. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Oh, that was great, Jillian. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was what they had originally titled it and that they had planned on killing um, Bob in the third episode. But I'm glad that they. Gave him the death that they did.
1: Yeah, I'm glad they didn't title that. Cause that's a little too on the nose to be like, "Oh, the brain, huh? Wonder what's going to happen here."
2: Yeah, that's right. It it certainly would have been like an arrow, a big neon arrow,
0: yeah, pointing
2: at what was going to happen. And I, if Bob had to die, which I mean was incredibly sad, and I hate that he did, but if they were going to, um, then I'm glad that you know he kind of went the way that he did.
1: Yeah, I'm glad it was an evil will too, because that would have been even more heartbreaking. Oh my
2: i know i mean it was it was horrible enough the way that it was um but i am glad that he went out of hero. so thanks jillian
1: all right so steve brown says we picked up right where six left us the fact that hairband billy's being abused does not forgive the way he was treating max love that max had second thoughts why are you heading toward the sound saying everything everybody would have been saying at the tv at that time yep Bob being brave was great. Sean Aston did a great job. Mike had a candlestick or a trophy as a weapon. <laughs> I noticed that too. Noticed
2: that that was hilarious.
1: <laughs> it was Mike with a candlestick in the living room. Eternal mustard. <laughs> <laughs> I teared up a little bit when Elle walked in, and she looked at Mike, and he looked at her. Note: Why are none of the new creatures like the Demogorg- Demogorgons from season one? Basic beginner all-purpose. Let's see, it's b a b a s i c. Beginners, all-purpose, symbolic instruction code. I had to look up the actual meaning but knew it was a programming language. In his conversation with Max, Mike still thinks Ella's dead. dead.
2: Hmm. Well, that's true because he was saying that she was, like, taken or, like, yeah, I think I kind of got that too that he thought Elle was dead. Hmm, that's true. Stephanie M. Fernandez says, I was glad that Mike finally had more to do in this episode. Convincing Joyce that Will caused the chaos at the lab, paying tribute to Bob, and then analyzing the mind flayer and its connection to Will to figure out how to stop it. It's been great to see Mike be a supportive friend to Will, as is emotionally demonstrated in this episode, but I've missed seeing Mike use his natural leadership skills like he did last season. Fine, Billy's father is clearly an abusive jerk, but I'm not going to feel sorry for someone who then chooses to take his frustration out on a young girl. Jonathan's Jonathan's father is also a complete jackass, but Jonathan never took it out on his little brother. It's actually only made him more responsible and protective when it comes to Will. So is this the difference between them that caused, or them caused by their personalities or something else? This was my favorite episode so far, and even though Eleven doesn't appear until the end, I didn't miss her because there was so much going on with the other characters. Plus, the teamwork between the characters is one of my favorite things to watch on this show.
1: That's a good comparison between Jonathan and uh, Bill Billy. Right. Uh, I always kind of think of that stuff. It's like, hey, you can use this as an excuse or a reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Billy kind of seems to use it as an excuse, and Jonathan kind of seems to use it as a reason. Brian Malosh, now that I've finally caught up, I can leave a little feedback. <laughs> it was a great episode, a very tense episode. I was glad we got to back to the main As The last episode was probably my least favorite of the series, although, like pizza, it was still good. Or Bob, if I was a character in this show, I'd probably be Bob, though I was closer in age to Steve and Jonathan back then. Yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> Bob, the save the day by programming in the second language I ever knew and the first I really mastered, basic. Here's an example. 10 print, fuck you, dogs. 20 go to 10. I knew he was a gunner as soon as he left his gun on the computer, but it was still shocking to see him go the way that he did. I'm happy to see Dr. Owens doesn't seem to be another Brenner after all. I suspected that he would do a heel turn before the season was out, but it seems he's on the up and up. I think that I think that would have gotten a little old if he had been an enemy. I was waiting for Eleven to show up all through the episode, and show up she finally did. She did. She came in with yeah, she guns did.
2: Guns a blazing, those mental guns. I guess. She came
1: in like a wrecking ball and tore that shit <laughs>
0: up.
2: Throwing <laughs> it <into> some Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it we got a couple emails from you guys so the first one is hey guys wow episode 8 bob 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 Bob. for a brain you sure weren't smart <laughs> <laughs> when he forgot the gun you just knew he was done for nice work by the crew for giving us a glimmer of hope for him only to make the ridiculous move of stopping to look at Joyce." Loved the ways they tried to fold the mind flayer. The scene when the demodogs were outside the house and then the one flies through the door dead was a great way to bring L back to the fold. I played the mobile Stranger Things game. Clearly, I'm not a gamer as it took me 13 hours to finish it. <laughs> no judgment. Um. Well, until next week, uh, Josh Diwali. Uh, P.S. to our Irish friend in Switzerland. Hope you are doing well. Oh, that's sweet, Josh. I think that is for Derek, a friend of ours, Derek O'Neill. Yeah, I think he's doing just fine. Let us know, Derek, how you're coming about in Switzerland with all those languages that you don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe he can teach us. I think that's it's like basic, right? You just teach it.
2: Yeah, just okay, basic. (laughs) Just teach me. Uh, Just go learn it, Derek. Come on, (laughs) just go learn those languages.
1: So this one says, here's my feedback. Bob the Brain, you weren't a spy, just a lovable nerd with a heart of gold and the courage of a warrior. Rest in peace, Bob. Goonies never die, Laura Willie Swink. And she left us some audio. No, no, no,
0: no, 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 no,
1: Bob. That's sad. I thought maybe she like called the wrong number. She's like, "No, no, no! I don't want to talk to Sean and Rima."
2: No, not strange indeed. I don't want to talk to those <laughs> dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Laura, I know. I'm right there with you. I think I uh, was voicing the same exact thing as that happened while tears were running down my face. Thank you for that and for taking the time to send in your feedback. And thank you to everyone. I love nothing more than reading uh, what you guys write to us every week and that you take the time uh, to write us in, whether or not it's um, an email, um, something on Facebook, Twitter, um, an audio clip that you guys email us. I love it all, Um, and it's so appreciated that you guys do take that time um, so we can hear what you guys have to say because you guys give us so much. You're like, no, guys, you're wrong. It's this. I'm like, oh, thanks, because I know I'm not right all the time. I'm right about 99% of the time, Um, (laughs) but not all the time.
1: All right, so next week we'll be covering the ninth and final episode from season two titled Chapter 9, The Gate. So the description for this episode is Eleven makes plans to finish what she started with the survivors. Turn up the heat on the monstrous force that's holding Will hostage.
2: I don't like that it's titled The Gate. That reminds me of that 80s movie The Gate that's kind of Yes. This is like the
1: this is the final boss fight. You gotta go to the gate and Ugh. battle the boss. I
2: don't like it. Oh, I'm excited. And we are excited for you to travel to Hawkins, Indiana with us. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast.
1: You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash stranger
2: you can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. You can also find us on the TV Time app.
1: You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like Evil Deadcast for the Ash vs. Evil TV show at Podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great podcasts like a podcast on Apple Podcast.
2: Yeah, if you haven't watched uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, you should. And then when you watch it, go listen to um, Ash vs. Evil Dead, at podcast because that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and also, make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday.
1: Heck yeah, it's in the show notes, so check it out, everybody.
2: Yeah, get over there and do it already
1: all right and remember we are looking to start podcasting on black mirror episode four so next week i think we'll let you know when we just when we think we're going to release it it's kind of a weird time new year's eve christmas Mm -hmm. time um but we'll let you guys know when when we're going to release that episode and we're super excited about that but for now we got the final episode next week so
2: oh my god i don't think i'm ready sean
1: (laughs) all right well that's our show episode 16 chapter 8 the mind flayer And I'm Sean.
2: And Jennifer Mantle is strange indeed. It's gonna be okay. Remember Bob Newby,
0: superhero.